0: Took us 10 shows, but we're finally going to do it. The Pace Line is ready to shave some legs. How to deal with the chain sucks of life. The Pace Line Advice Panel has some suggested therapy. Campy shows off a new group set and finally offers a peek at its disc brakes. The Pace Line is back, heads down, heart rate's up. The Pace Line, a co-production of FatCyclist.com and RedKitePrayer.com Fatty is here to bring us his wisdom to the pace line
1: How is it possible I am sick for the second time in like what four shows? Easily.
0: It's it's easily done I've crashed twice during the time this podcast has been in existence and been sick and now you're sick for a second time so it just happens It
1: does. It does. Getting old (laughs) Eh.
0: RKP's Patrick Brady uh checking in as well. Howdy.
2: Happy. Healthy. That? You're you're good, right? You're... <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm good. <laughs> Road rash free. Uh, uh yeah, I, I I am without complaint.
1: Ah, excellent. Fingers crossed, uh, knock I, on wood. <laughs>
0: I am uh, Michael Hotton, your host, and uh guys, the first monument of the season is finished in the books. Or is it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it seems like we we have a little bit of a hangover here from uh, Milan-San Remo. FDJ's Arnaud Damar crossed the line in San Remo with his hands in the air, but at least a couple of riders immediately protested the win. Uh, Damar was involved in a crash before the second-to-last climb of the day, the Cipresa. Uh, he and Michael Matthews, who was a favorite, Matthews was going really well, uh, chased the bunch, and Damar actually caught the bunch on the descent. Uh, it took Michael Matthews uh, almost forever to get back. He did, but there was never a factor. He finished 59th while Damar somehow finished first. Um, now, Damar has been accused of holding on, holding on to a, a vehicle or maybe a sticky bottle up the Cipressa. Two riders, in fact, uh, accused him immediately after the race of uh, getting a tow of some sort, on his way back to the group after his crash. It was Mateo Tessato of Tinkoff and Eros Capecci of Astana. They both said they saw DeMar just go flying by them up the Cipressa. They estimated something like 80 kilometers per hour. Uh, that seems awfully crazy. Um, but there was a uh, Strava upload that came up uh, about this, and the Strava upload from Damar showed that he was KOM on the day on the Cipressa. This guy's a sprinter. You know, the, <laughs> yeah. the Strava file also shows that he wasn't going 80K, more like something around 50. Uh, but nonetheless, he did uh, set the record on the day going up the Cipresa. He was 11th up the, uh, the Poggio, which is the last climb of the day. Um, but still pretty impressive for a, uh, a sprinter to get up those climbs, get back to the front, and eventually win the sprint at La Primavera. Um, but what do we think we have here, guys? Do we have an honest-to-goodness complaint? Is there any evidence here? Like the chief referee said this complaint was brought to him, and the chief referee said, look, I, I understand that you think the guy was going awfully fast after up a 1.7-kilometer a, a climb, but unless you have photographic or video evidence, there's nothing they could do about it. In fact, I've, I watched the race twice. I watched that segment twice, and there's just nothing there. You, you see DeMar go down with Matthews, um, but the cameras, of course, focus on the front of the group and what attacks are happening, so they pay very little attention to the, to the chase itself, only to say when DeMar got on, which was on the descent, and uh, then his eventual win. But what, what does it sound like we have here? Do we have a, a real complaint, or do we have sour grapes? This is a classic
2: goat parade. This is not something you want to watch, but it's going to take place. Um, my biggest problem with this is that the chief referee basically says, oh, well, you didn't provide me any proof, so I'm not going to do anything. Can you imagine the police saying, oh, well, you're a victim, but you didn't show me the proof that this thing happened, so we're not going to investigate. Uh, when when does that happen? How does that work? Um, the the big thing here is that, you know, they don't want to go undoing the podium. I mean, this would be an epic disgrace for the race uh, and for RCS, the organizer. You know, this would be a a really huge problem for them to have to disqualify a rider. So they'd rather this just go away so that they don't have to deal with it. But this is such a classic case of just old school cheating. You know, we had uh, Nibali... Tossed out of the Vuelta last year for this very thing, you know. I think it wouldn't take a lot of investigation to find uh, some photographic evidence or some other eyewitnesses. I mean, when in a crime are two eyewitnesses not good enough? Um, so I, you know, I I have a big problem with how they're handling this, and it's kind of stunning to me that a rider really would resort to that sort of thing the sticky bottle tactic was always about you know making sure that domestiques didn't lose contact with the bunch you put six bottles in your jersey and that's that's what 13 pounds 11 pounds um Mm -hmm. that's a lot of weight to to try to go uh taking back up into the pack and and dispensing to other riders so you know while the sticky bottle has been uh, a really helpful uh little uh tactic for getting through races for somebody to use it this way to to ride their way back into contention uh in a race is, is i don't know it just it it sours me on pro racing
0: all the more uh yeah. it just it makes it that much more problematic yeah. uh, and again Strava has become part of the narrative here his Strava file was posted, taken down, put it back up again, and now is being used by both sides to say, "Look, we got a case here or we don't." <laughs> Strava again back in the in the fold. I mean, pretty amazing stuff there. Um Demar, of course, again is a sprinter. He did bring good fitness into, into the race. And goodness, isn't there uh, isn't there power data here we could access? Shouldn't that tell us something or is is it is it time to just to, to, to go away and say, look, it's done. The race is in the books. We're over this.
1: Well, well pictures th- of his bike did show that he has a power meter. So if the power data has been stripped, it was intentionally stripped.
2: Yeah, burying evidence. You know the 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 delta between. Uh, what his power data was for the climb and what his speed was, we give you very clear indication of he was hanging on to a vehicle. Uh, even if, uh, w- what's the service that allows you to dial up your Strava performances so that you can take a KOM? You can dial up your performance. There we yeah. go. Yeah. You know, they. Uh, I, my first thought the moment I heard that his Strava file had been pulled down was
0: that they were doctoring it there. Right. Uh, DeMar's team said he did have three teammates with him to to help him up the Cipresa, um, and that was, they claim that was the main reason he was able to get back on that and and his ability to descend the other side, uh, which is where he did eventually catch the bunch. And again, he was 11th up the the Pojo, and then, of course, first at the line, but... You know, these, these stories will, I think, continue to surface, uh, continue to happen, um, you know, until uh, these, these referees are willing to take more of a stand and and move forward with circumstantial evidence and with the claims of writers and, and investigate them. I and mean, God knows, it has got to be somebody out there who had a cell phone camera rolling, who uh, was taking pictures. There's enough uh, photographers out there running around chasing the Peloton. There's If you look, if you dig... You would think you'd be able to find uh, something here, or at least vet it out a little bit, instead of just casting the claim uh, to the wayside immediately and and handing the guy a bottle of champagne and saying, "Here you go, you're you're the winner of La Primavera." So, yeah, Milan San Remo in the books. We we move on to Ghent Wevelgem next, and we hope it goes smoothly. By the way, uh, folks, as we're recording this this podcast, there has been uh, some issues in Belgium with security. Um, so so far. Uh, the authorities there say that the races that are scheduled for this spring in Belgium will go on despite you know, continuing tensions and violence uh, in Belgium uh, connected to terrorism. So we're hoping for the best there. Um, again, for those riders who are bent out of shape, feel wronged, think that racing is unfair, the pace line does have a little suggestion, go for a ride. Life does have its chain sucks. And not to get all Dr. Phil on you or anything, but we think we can help. Find out how next on The Pace line. The Pace Line, The Cycling Podcast with Fatty, Patrick, and Michael. Hey, we as a group here hope that you are in a good spot. That there's balance and security and love and peace in your life and all those things that keep us going forward. This is sincere. I mean, we really mean this. We we hope the best for all the people who, who do and do not uh, tune into this this show. We also know that once in a while there's a roadblock a barrier that forces a dismount, a rock garden you can't clean, a gap you cannot bridge. How about those <laughs> metaphors, guys? Pretty good, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: And you should write greeting cards, Hottie. Uh, uh, I, I have <laughs> cycling I have greeting cards.
0: Yes, I have. I have. Uh, I have offered my services to Hallmark. They just don't see it.
1: You're speaking in a nice flowery script right now. Uh, it does.
0: Yeah, I, I do have that side. <laughs>
1: Look for for those
0: moments when. Um, Life gives you a little chain suck. Uh, we'd like to call on our chief of uh, perspective, Fatty, for uh, introspection and advice. Fatty,
1: well, I might be asking more for advice than giving it, but I don't think right now that between the three of us there is a steady paycheck. Is there? Not a single one.
2: Uh, not as such.
1: Not as yep. such. So it's it's. No surprise, perhaps, that you know a few guys who love bikes and are riding and writing and caring a lot about our bicycles. When things get a little bit sideways in the career field, it affects everything. And for me, I'm just noticing right now as I am trying to find a job and take care of my family that it is really affecting my riding. Um, I am finding that where I used to have a lot of intensity in all of my training that all of my intensity right now is in the job hunt. And what where I used to look to the bike for a moment of you know a time to really just pour my heart and soul out and just really go for it. Now I am using that same time as like, ah, oh, sort of a reprieve, a break from the intensity and, you know, frankly, fear of the job hunt and all of that, where I'm using this time now as, you know, my, my bike time isn't a time of intensity, it's a time for uh, relaxation. My training has completely tanked is what I'm saying in short. I'm wondering, do you guys get that same thing? When, when life is mellow, you're intense on the bike. When life is intense, I'm just mellow on the bike.
2: Been there, suffered that. Yeah. Um, so I think many of the readers will be aware of this, but certainly not all. Uh, three years ago, uh, my son Matthew was born and, uh, He was taken into the NICU upon birth because he had a leaky doohickey that messed up his chest. Uh, We'll leave it at that. That's kind of technical enough. The upshot is he was in the NICU for six weeks. and During that time and for, I'm going to say really just about the next full year after that, when I got on the bike, about the last thing in the world I wanted to do was go redline yeah, um, there were there were just months and months where I was happy to ride around at you know fifty or sixty percent of max heart rate and just kind of that was it. Um, and uh, it was, you know, aside from being a, a tough time for me, I, what I realized, I began dividing rides between recharge and discharge, and I realized that I was in a phase where all of my riding was about recharge. Mm-hmm. It was. It was. Uh, I, you know, it's still a little bit difficult to define. But you know, you get on the on the bike, and you you're looking just for a break from everything else.
1: Yeah, right? I'm kind of actually really amazed and grateful for the this fact. Uh, it it may be something that I haven't really noticed until now. This is this is the first time in a twenty plus law twenty plus year career that I haven't had a job and I haven't been, you know, I haven't had the safety net of, uh, of a steady paycheck income. And I'm just kind of amazed that the bike can do this for me. It's, it, it's amazing the balance that the bike provides, whether you need it as an outlet for intensity that is built up or as a way to chill out, um, which I'm sort of discovering right now. Uh, The bike balances you out no matter what you're doing. You know, it's like just, you know, once again, I, you know, I'm loving the bike in an entirely different way. And, you know, in a way I'm sort of like sad and it's like, well, I am not going to have a great race season this year. But on the other hand, I'm like, you know, but I am also not completely losing my mind either because I am uh, recharging as you, as you put it. It's really great. It's really great.
0: Fabby, I know it's early, but have you thought? Have you tried to look for a way to still salvage your fitness and your season despite the
1: situation you face? I've been thinking about that a lot, actually. And here is here's my plan. Uh, as you know, I'm a big fan of Trainer Road and using the using the Wahoo Kicker along with Trainer Road. I'm thinking that I will continue to use that going to a low volume plant just first thing in the morning before I start the the intense period of looking and working and interviewing for you know for a job that I go and take care of a low volume workout forty five minutes long, something with a lot of intensity, and then uh the ride where I am recharging do that as a second workout during the day, the ride that I do uh, with my wife, you know, something that we really treasure doing together. So two shorter rides, one uh, that is very structured and one that is just to kind of recharge my batteries, give me perspective, give me balance, give me a little bit of uh, just fun, you know, easygoing time. So that's kind of my plan for uh, handling things right now and hopefully still delivering me in august when my important races are uh to a starting line with fitness and hopefully a job and hopefully regained intensity
2: yeah you you know Uh, august is a long way away um logging any miles at all right now um almost especially if they're easy but just logging any miles right now you're you're still setting yourself up for success in August. I wouldn't worry too terribly much. That's a long way out.
1: Oh, you're a sweetheart uh, for for me more than the than the riding part is the eating part. Oh, you guys don't know because you're both skinny, but man, those of us who are stress eaters, mercy it's a problem Well, <laughs> mm.
2: oh, I'm not actually skinny but uh thank you
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: My, my little approach has always been, or always, I mean, my approach and the way I've handled this has been, well, first of all, when my life is in order but stressful, my training kind of matches that. My training seems to have a program and is intense. Um, but when life is stressful and out of order, um, the training seems to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets a little, dis. my training gets... Disjointed the rides get inconsistent uh, The fitness starts to falter a little bit um, And the rides don't seem as complete or as worthy. So yeah, the hard bit when You've got this nomad life almost, you know where things aren't really They're not structured is to find that structure and training if you can um, Because I think that that helps, you know, it provides something underneath you to say hey look things are normal even though
1: yeah impose sort of not. some yeah impose some structure where so, otherwise it might not exist it's a good yeah,
0: thought and i think you i think you're going down the right path there i'm going to stay on my trainer road i'm going to make sure i'm on that thing every day i'm going to make sure that i every week i'm laying out a training program cuz that will provide normalcy and structure and timing and those those rhythms you you kind of you used to get out of work and the rest of your life which is now in kind of in chaos Um you, so it, it does it the, the, hopefully what will happen is they'll, they'll counteract each other a little bit in the process not that I know not that I'm Dr. Phil or Dr. Laura but that's, my, that's my shot at it I wish I could you know I wish I could live by my own words it's hard to though and I'm fatty like you my fitness is is kind of Swirling around right now, and I'm wondering about August too. Like, is it going to come together? I hope so. But I think look, what you have, and even what I have, is a experience. B, you know, you've got fitness in the tank that actually doesn't go away, especially that endurance fitness. If yeah. you've been at it for as long as you have, it doesn't go away easily. At least the aerobic stuff doesn't. Yeah, the anaerobic work that that stuff falters pretty quickly. But you will have endurance. Um and it doesn't it won't take you as much to get it back to get it where you want to, and it's just whether or not you can go hard at those times of the year
1: yeah that not. is one thing that is true you know you, as long as long as we've been riding, you can get back to ninety percent pretty fast. that's yeah. what I've observed that final ten percent is where all the real work has to uh has to come into play
0: indeed excellent perspective, gentlemen. we appreciate that little uh. Psychology, Bike Psychology 101 here from The Pace Line. Uh, now, get out your razor, your nair, your wax, whatever. The Pace Line goes looking for unwanted leg hair. really make a difference man shaved legs make such a difference look at that guy with the hairy legs the pace line fatty patrick brady michael houghton quickly boys shaved legs or not fatty
1: oh man i'm so far beyond shaved legs i shaved my legs my chest my arms my head i had my back lasered so i don't have to try to reach back there man legs (laughs) i shave everything okay patrick
2: Uh, I just shaved my legs. Now I'm feeling sort of unkempt.
0: Okay. What is it here for? (laughs) I am, too, a participant in this tradition. I am a leg shaver. Okay, we'll get back to just how we stay so smooth. Uh, The reason we are finally getting around to the topic of leg shaving is because of someone who was not and was starting to cause a bit of a fuss. Peter Sagan started the first two months of the race season with two rather hairy legs. He was not natural and when you are wearing the rainbow jersey, everything about you gets noticed, even your leg hair. The good news or bad is that Peter has finally shaved his legs. He actually tweeted a photo of his legs lathered in shaving cream, ready for harvest. Uh, his tweet said, Happy that... Terreno Adratico at a cancelled stage because of snow, and he said at the time he finally had time to shave his legs, which, according to all reports from uh, the recent race at the Milan San Remo, he was smooth once again. But just prior to his shaving, some of his contemporaries were starting to comment. And I think uh, the strongest words came from Stephen Roach, legend and former world champ himself. He's uh, worn the rainbow jersey. Here's what he had to say about Sagan's legs. I don't think it is a good example. He's wearing the world champ jersey, and he owes it to be respectful and to be clean and presentable. Uh, Roach went on to say, okay, you might say, well, there's no law that says you have to shave your legs. But why then? Have we been doing it for the past 100 years? It is because it does not look good, meaning having hairy legs does not look good. Okay, it is fashion for writers. Maybe it is a feel-good thing if they want to show off or have something for beards. I just hope that doesn't last as well. It's the same thing with unshaven legs. I hope it doesn't last, said Stephen Roach. Wow. <laughs> that is letting the guy have it for just simply not shaving his legs.
2: Whew. Yeah, that was, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, Roach can be outspoken at times when it's maybe not all that necessary <laughs> or helpful. Um, I mean, there are real reasons for shaving your legs. Um, funny funny side note, uh, a few years back when I was writing uh, my how-to to road cycling, the no-drop zone, um, I guess this qualifies as a shameless plug, Um, My editor at the time, who the publisher thought knew about cycling, uh, stuck in a quote from one of Fatty's posts about leg shaving as Ah. rebuttal to my case for (laughs) why you might shave your legs. Um, It didn't, that little exchange didn't end real well, but um, I, I did have, I carried the day, I guess is what we'll say. There are a couple of good reasons to shave your legs. The first is sweat evaporates more quickly off of uh, bare skin than it does uh, skin carrying hair okay Eldon's shaved head will cool more quickly than my head with hair on it same goes for legs the other thing is these guys get get uh, massages routinely during training camp every day um, after races uh, you know frequently in the in the days coming up to races, do you really want hair on your legs when you're getting them uh, massaged? That's not going to be terribly comfortable. And then the other reason is if you're using an embrocation, getting that embro back off your legs, if there is hair on them, uh, well, it makes it harder to apply the embro, And then washing it off just makes it that much more complicated. A hairless leg is a happy leg.
1: Right. I would so, say that you've missed the, the most important reason, and that is... When you shave your legs, you show your definition that much better, which is why I shave everything. And <laughs> the fact is, I, I actually did grow my leg hair out during a winter as essentially self punishment uh, a couple of years ago. A, a year, a couple of years ago, and my wife finally begged me to please start shaving my legs again, just because it did not look like me. to have hairy legs and when I did I was like oh yeah there are still muscles there and I mean it's there's a self-image thing and a self uh, I mean it's I I don't even know there's I'm going to fully cop to the vanity of it it looks good to have shaved legs that part goes
2: without saying I'm just saying that there are actual reasons beneath that. You know, style is always, it's a great start. But I like having good objective reasons beneath
0: that for doing something so that people can't argue with me. I don't even pretend to have So Sagan may have done this for for practical reasons. In other words, he may have left his leg hair on for warmth because this was in the (laughs) winter. So maybe he was trying to stay warm. (laughs) Nice try. Nice try. More than likely, he was being Peter Sagan, the individual. Well, he I mean, was... he came
2: from mountain biking. You know, I mean, his background isn't, shall we say, quite as as rigorous and, and tightly wound as the typical roadies.
1: There also is something, and this doesn't apply to Sagan, but when you are racing, you look at someone's legs, and if they are shaved, then that tells you one thing. If they are not shaved that tells you a lack of something that says this is probably someone whose line maybe I should not follow. This is someone who may stand up without warning me, who may not signal a pothole. There, yeah. Shaving your legs is essentially kind of a clue. It's like, hey, I know what the culture is. I know how you know, I know who we are, and I identify with the group. Cycling, at least on the road, is very much a pack kind of thing. Shaving your legs says that I am a member of the pack.
0: Human tube socks. <laughs> here, here are what uh, here are uh, members of Sagan's pack said. Taylor Finney, I fully support Peter in doing whatever he wants with his body hair. Chad Haga (laughs) from Giants said, You won't see me with hairy legs at any time of the year, but he's the world champ. He's entitled to do what he wants. Alex Howes, Cannondale. I think it's totally badass. If I won the world championship, I'd never shave my legs again. (laughs) Here's the one we all love, though. Uh, I like that a lot.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's good.
0: Here's, Here's maybe the best one. It's a little long. Stick with me here. Christoph Ramon. A cycling photographer, I love the fact that he's here to kick in some holy houses, as we say in Flemish. It shows he's an individual that lays his own tracks. Really, it's considered such a taboo, something silly like leg hairs. It also shows, again, how confident and comfortable he is with himself. you got to give it to the guy. He is such a breath of fresh air. More bad boys, more personalities, more punk in cycling. F the Velleminati snobs and their rules. We welcome leg hairs. Amen. Please
2: read read that last sentence once again.
0: <laughs> F, the Velluminati snobs and their rules.
1: Welcome leg hairs. <laughs> All right. Grow your leg hair and put your glasses inside your straps. Yeah.
0: yeah you know, Sagan, you know, Peter is, is has been really wonderful to support. He's He is, again, a heck of an individual. Uh, Specialized is starting to now, I think capitalize in, on this and focus on him uh, as what a prize he is and uh, the ability for him to sell bikes. Um, his English is getting better. And look, he in a recent video, and I'm going to play a little piece of this video, talks about you know his responsibility um, and his star power and what he needs to remember as far as his involvement in the sport. What this has to do with leg hair, I don't know, but have a listen to this and we'll We'll, we'll wrap up Peter's leg here in a moment.
3: I understand the people also when they take maybe holiday, they went for the race, they're gonna see the riders and everything, atmosphere, and after what, the rider just go without nothing, it's not nice, I think. If they wants to see me, I want to do my best to, to show something. very happy I uncovered my talent and uh, to be professional cyclist can be dream but it's very hard to dream
0: so before we move on to our own shaving practices I just want to ask one final thought here about Sagan and his leg shaving and his individualism and his persona is there a chance here that he starts to rub people whether it be his peers or his fans, the wrong way because he has this—I don't know if it's a need, but he has this—you know—habit of of showing off and and bringing some attention to himself.
1: You know, if he were doing this consciously, if he were intentionally trying to provoke people, I think that would be a likelihood. As is. You kind of get the sense that he's just being himself. That there is no, there's no falseness to it. He really is just a boyish, ebullient person, and it's fun to watch. I, I get nothing but uh, joy seeing uh, this incredibly strong, talented, hilarious, and happy person out in the pro ranks.
0: Mm-hmm. Completely agree. Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Sagan's contract, by the way, is up at the end of the year. So um, there'll be some aggressive bidding. Uh, there's probably only a few teams that are going to be able to afford him, too. And they're sponsor- in...
2: sponsored by Specialized.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> one would be EdX, Quick Step, and Sky's probably got the cash. BMC, Trek, Astana. Uh, if Tinkoff um, can find a new sponsor, then they would also be in the bidding wars. But yeah, I think Specialized will have a particular interest in him. And and one more thing on Sagan. If you want to see a way to handle your bicycle, watch the end of Milan-San Remo. There was a crash. Both Mm -hmm. he and Conchalara avoided this crash. An amazing display of bike handling to get around that wreck and to stay upright. Yeah, they didn't finish in the top ten, but they will race uh, the rest of the spring because of their ability to handle their bicycles. Now, uh, back to the lakes. the reason why we're doing this segment, and hygiene. It's time for a little truth-telling here on the PaceLine. Let's find out how you, Fatty, how you, Patrick, deal with leg hair. Or if you do, is it razor, a hair removal product, wax, tweezers, or you, you just simply let the weeds grow? Uh, fatty, take us into your shower.
1: Razor in the shower. Uh, I use a Mach 5 uh, razor about every three days. Basically, I know when it's time to shave my legs, when I discover that it, it, I am uncomfortable in bed at night when I go to sleep, and my legs hairs are starting to poke into my legs.
3: <laughs>
1: that simple. Razor. Yep, razor, electric okay. razor for or a, a electric shaver for the rest of me. Yeah,
0: okay, Patrick.
2: Uh, it's a razor. I use it in the shower. I've got some. uh, shaving cream that I got at Target. I don't know either of the brands. Uh, I do it every Friday so that I have smooth legs for Saturday and Sunday, and I don't have enough time to update
0: during the week. Mm. So you were ritualistic.
2: Uh, I just, I really hate feeling the hair, you know, on the longer rides. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, Saturday and Sunday, I want to make sure I'm, I'm as smooth as possible
0: for that. I am fairly lazy. When I can see it, I get rid of it. Um, I'm usually once every ten days. Razor, uh, the wife's shaving cream um, is Hmm. applied usually first, Um, and I leave the razor in the shower because I often miss. So on subsequent showers, there's usually a little cleanup work involved. I'm not very accurate. Wait, are you are are you using the same razor you use on your face? No. Oh okay. not at all. Not a chance. No. Yeah. I have special pink razors that I use. Yeah. That come out for this price. <laughs> the first time I cleaned up I did wax though. So. And I had my wife do it. It was awful. It was a <laughs> terrible experience.
1: I actually and rotate I have- my razor cartridges down meaning i i shave uh i i take a cartridge and use it on my face two or three times and then i demote it to my legs where i use it for another couple of times and then it goes that's safe
0: <laughs> there's no chance of any cross-pollination
1: or bad bacteria there no no it's it there's definitely a it it's a one way path <laughs>
0: Awesome. Well, I'm glad we got this topic out of the way. And look, it's the, it's the thing that people that don't ride ask us, what, the most? It's one of the top two things we have. Oh, yeah. How do you go to the bathroom? And why do you shave your legs? Or just I do think. you? Well,
2: if, if you've got pants on. But yeah, yeah. when they look mm-hmm. down on yeah. Lycra shorts.
0: Yep. So we felt obligated. And there it is. The, the leg shaving se- segment on the baseline. Uh, coming up. Campy finally makes it into the garage segment on the Pace Line. The Pace Line heads into the garage to check out the latest in gear, and uh, Campy has finally made it onto the Pace Line here with its Potenza Grupo. Uh, Potenza, by the way, means strength or power in Italian. Uh, it is uh, not a top-tier Grupo. It's uh, one of those trickle-down groups, you know, kind of feeding off record, super record stuff to come up with a group that's a little more affordable. Uh, for instance, the Rio de Rea also features the same design as a super record, but executed in steel and aluminum instead of carbon and tie. Uh, they do have a, a larger cassette, an 1132, so obviously the Potenza Grupo is not made for the the racer sect, but probably somebody uh, closer to the entry-level side. Uh, Patrick, you have probably the most perspective here on uh, Campagnolo. Where does this fit in their line? What are they trying to do with this type of group?
2: So this fits in just below Super Record, Record, and Chorus. It's the next group after that. Uh, Traditionally, this spot was called Athena, you know, we could call this, you know, Athena Revised, um, if not Potenza. It's it's a really neat offering, you know. In terms of the market, it's meant to compete with uh, Shimano's Altegra Group and SRAM's Force Group. Uh, the problem is, it's still notably more expensive. Uh, a couple hundred dollars just for the, the build group. Um, you know, on bikes, you're probably going to see this coming in on uh, bikes that retail for, say, $500 more. I'm, I'm going to guess that's the rough price point. And you're probably not going to see this on bikes that cost more than about $4,000. Uh, but it's a pretty neat group. Uh, one of the things that I found really attractive for a lot of people who are old-school campy fans but don't want to drop the bigger bucks uh, for the higher-up groups is that there's going to be a medium-length cage uh, rear derailleur. And they're going to offer an 1132 cassette. Um, For Campy fans who want to build up a gravel bike or a multi strata, as we prefer now, um, this is going to be a really cool group for that. You know, it's going to be nice and durable. Uh, One of the knocks against some, uh, by some against Campy, has been that the uh, carbon fiber in the front and rear derailers has made them uh, a little more. Uh, fragile and uh, you know apt to get killed in a crash and with this new design um, you know for the rigors of riding road bikes in less than paved situations uh, I think it could see a lot of a lot of success here um, it looks like a really neat design I'm I'm eager to give it a try
1: mm-hmm
0: they also have uh, talked up their new Shamals. That's, that's one of their wheels that they run. Um, they've optimized that wheel for 25 and 28 millimeter tires. So they've done a little wheel update too. Where, where is Campy now in the landscape of things um, with SRAM seemingly innovating every other week and Shimano doing its best to stay on top? Is Campy just surviving on loyalty alone here? Or do they have a chance to have a voice in this thing?
2: Well, if there weren't campy loyalists, they may actually be out of business. The slice of people who would be buying their stuff otherwise would be woefully small. And I say that as a big, big campy fan. It's just, you know, this is my, my rather tragic read on reality. They, their market share has fallen mostly because they've done really poorly in the OE segment. You don't see many bike companies specking camp and yellow components uh, on bikes because the stuff, you know, there's there's this campy tax. Uh, just their there's stuff is so much more expensive than um, similar groups from uh, Shimano and SRAM. And this is particularly true at, you know, the Ultegra, Force, uh, 105, and Rival price points. Uh, you know, that's where you start to get people, you know, really hooked on something and so when someone buys their first 105 bike they think you know the shimano stuff's pretty nice i might stick with this and you know the old school riders you know who've been around for years and years uh who had nouveau record back in the 70s or 80s um and are still buying it you know they're not buying this group they're buying uh chorus and record and super record uh and you know the guys who are still actually racing this stuff. You're seeing them on record with a chorus uh, front derailleur, so that they get that stout front derailleur cage. Um, it's little things like that that you see when you you know you know you're faced with a, a Campy loyalist. But if you know if Campy is to sur- survive long term, um, they need to figure out something to do uh, so that their pricing becomes more competitive and. Uh, then, you know, really beef up their OE sales force so that the bike companies out there are specking their components on their bikes.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, in addition to showing off the Potenza Grupo, um, Campy at the same event did roll out its disc brake uh, format. Uh, This has been talked about for a long time, but no one's really seen it. And Campy, I think, felt obligated or almost pressured to to at least show this to the press because come this spring, they're expecting at least some of their pro teams will be on this equipment. So they did roll it out. They didn't answer any questions about it. But the first look at it kind of offered these details. Full hydraulic with two piston calipers. Uh, The levers have extended hood peaks, kind of similar to the SRAM's Hydro's. Uh, Mechanical and electronic shifting were available in the disc brake format. Flat mount and post mount calipers available, both 140 and 160 rotors and uh, two different hood cover textures um, for the Campagnolo fan. So, looks like their their disc brake format should be with us. Again, this is kind of evidence and maybe, Fatty, you can offer your perspective here of why Campagnolo for guys like you and me have not been part of our uh, garages because look their disc brakes, they're they're a bit behind here, right? I mean we, we, they're not even a choice for us at that point.
1: Well for me is that
0: kind of what's kept you off of off of Campy?
1: Well, generally it's not something that has kept me off campy. It's that nothing has lured me onto Campy. I you like with any market, the things that are going to be attractive is who gets there first and who does it best. And I would argue that Shimano and SRAM have between the two of them have been getting their first and getting their best, you know, basically hopscotching lately. Campy has been a me too player for a while and them coming out with disc brakes at this point, I, unless there is something really remarkable, I'm not interested. I've already got disc brakes on everything I want disc brakes on. I'm not going to switch mm-hmm. just because it happens to have this different logo on it. All right. Um,
0: Speaking of disc brakes, Shimano says um, even though the disc brakes are totally available to the Pro Tour teams now and they can run them in any race, they're seeing little evidence that the teams are going towards them and using the product. They say that only one of their 13 World Tour teams will be riding uh, disc brakes this April in the classics where we kind of figured that they would show up. So kind of a surprise there that the teams are still a little hesitant to jump onto the the disc brake scene. Uh, on to Zip now. Continuing uh, with the garage segment here, Patrick, you've got news about a Zip recall that the uh, fans of this wheel set ought to be aware of.
2: Yeah, so they've got a uh, recall on the front hubs, uh, variations of their eighty-eight front hub uh, that were used on firecrest generation wheels. Basically, the the review uh, the recall encompasses wheels shipped between two thousand ten and 2015 uh, and so basically if you've got a set of Zip Firecrust wheels whether it's 202 303, 404 or 808 uh, go see your shop with your front wheel there's a very high likelihood that your front hub will need to be replaced there's a mm. flange problem uh, the flange can crack fortunately there have been no reports of injuries whatsoever uh, I attribute some of this due to SRAM's really just extraordinary service in this area when they do a recall they do a really thorough job of it and uh their communications pretty stellar and they really take care of people so uh, you know i hate seeing this but if somebody's going to h- conduct a recall I- i'd sort of rather it be SRAM than somebody else they do a good mm-hmm.
0: job okay uh on to a uh new type of racing that's going on. Well, it's not new. I mean, track racing has been around for years. It's a new league, actually. The World Cycling League has debuted. This is uh, track racing in a league format. There are six franchise teams. They did their first event here in Carson, not far from me. In fact, over the weekend, the Pennsylvania Lightning won the first event at the Vela Sports Center. Uh, The Mexico Heat came in second. The California Wave and third, this concept is kind of similar to Europe's popular six-day races, intended to be as much as a show as a sporting event um, for the World Cycling League. They incorporate music and they encourage the crowd to scream and yell, and they have announcers going. Um, so it's track, it's a track cycling league, and they're really trying to, you know, kind of pump up this sector of the sport. Here's a little sample of uh, of the action from uh, Saturday, from over the weekend. One lap to go for the first points scoring elimination. The next rider to come out will score two points for his team. Let's see who's it going to be. The California Wave, they did this yesterday with Kowalczyk and Mueller. They've already done it once this evening as well, doubling up. At this time, I think one of their guys is going out of there. Number 15, Andreas Mueller. Andreas Mueller, the chairman of the boards is out of there so it's not gonna yeah, so it was the first event and I, by the looks of the video there were a lot of empty seats down there and in carson at the indoor uh velodrome not surprising i mean they're just getting started here um uh, but track racing uh, fatty is this uh, would it be something you think you could see yourself going to paying for to see or watching uh, on tv or streaming it all Where does kind of track racing fit in you know the, the time that you have to to follow racing
1: i actually have really fond memories of watching track racing um back when i lived in washington uh, i would bring take my youngest son to the marymore velodrome in, on friday nights when there were A number of different races and the it was an outdoor velodrome and we would sit on the lawn which was at the top of the velodrome and just watch down and you paid a couple of bucks and you could uh you know you could actually you know give the announcer a 20 or something like that and use that as a preem and it was so much fun and it, it was actually my son's introduction to cycle racing and watching these guys you know complete amateurs pour their hearts out and just you know really attack it was a lot of fun um would I watch it on TV I don't know it it, it would be such a different experience but watching it live wow they' uh, um you know i i I've never tried track racing myself but after watching these watching it in person I really wanted to and it's just action-packed fun racing so yeah absolutely i if it were close to me you couldn't keep me away i'd be there watching every week
0: yeah i i know that there was some talk of bringing um track racing to vegas and having betting and you know a lot of enthusiasm around that that apparently is not going to happen but patrick in in this country uh, what has been the void with with track racing why don't the the crowds show up why is there not more enthusiasm what do you think of this this idea of kind of bringing a circuit around
2: well i, I mean i think it's really terrific i'm glad they're doing this uh, it, it faces an unfortunately uphill battle for recognition but i think uh, i think the Biggest problem that track racing faces in terms of you know recognition and acceptance is, is just the 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 dearth of facilities. You know, um, you've got you've got a velodrome, yeah, in the Seattle area. You've got one in the LA area. You've got one, uh, actually, two in LA. Um, you've got one in San Diego. You've got one in the South Bay of the Bay Area. Uh, you know, I mean, that's kind of it, if I recall, for the West Coast. Um you know, you don't have a single one in New England, you know they're they're just they're not super plentiful. The reason one of the teams is from uh Pennsylvania is because of Lehigh you know it's it's not that uh you know it's a particularly better place for it. its just there happens to be a track there, you know yeah. but track watching track racing in person is 10 times better than seeing it on tv and watching track racing on tv is usually a good deal better than watching a grand tour on tv Hmm. (laughs)
0: yeah because you can see the whole race my my issue with track racing and with the way this league is is set up is um, first of all i I too i i'm glad they're doing this i hope they can bring some of the high profile athletes into it i think it helps they're doing it during an olympic year that's got to help too the, the one issue I might have is that the event is, is uh, you know, a multi-stage event. In other words, they have three sessions to determine an eventual winner. And I think in, in this country, people want to see a game. They want to go to an event or watch an event and see an outcome. And if they go and don't get an outcome, it's, it can be empty. Now, if you go to the third session, you, you're going to see the winner. But if you go to the first session, you kind of don't know what happens unless you follow the rest of the, uh, f- rest of the meet. So to con- I think they could do themselves some good by consolidating it into a single event and having a, a, an outcome at the end of the day as opposed to waiting for three sessions to take place. Other than that, um, look, they started at a great venue. The, there's no doubt that that car facility is a beautiful spots. So Hope they can get some more uh, people in there to watch the World Cycling League, which is now underway. Six teams. Um, to follow, including two internationals. The pace line passing under the red kite, so the finish line not far away. But first, we want to check in with uh, Fatty and Patrick about what's going on. The FatCyclist.com, the FattyCast, very active sites. Fatty, what do you have happening on those two spots?
1: Well, on FatCyclist.com, I'll be uh, promoting the crowdfunding of my Fight Like Susan book, the telling of the story. Of my first wife and her battle with cancer. So, uh, check that out if you get a chance. On the Fatty Cast, I'll be talking with Keith Snyder, who is the publisher and editor of the Ride short fiction book series. And just as a little self promotion, Ride 3 has a story that I wrote called Last Ride on the Coca Pelli.
0: And if I may plug one of your uh, fatty casts, the Madeline Bemis thing, which we played a bite from a little earlier on the mm-hmm. paceline here, the follow-up uh, was, I think, better than the first interview. And she oh, yeah. is amazing. I mean, how, she is how old again? She's a She's high
1: schooler, right? 17 years old. And,
0: and you know what was amazing is is that race seemed to mature her. I mean, I heard somebody who sounded well
1: beyond her years and who's who's really got it
0: together at a very young age
1: so true yeah definitely a a story worth hearing and i think a lot of people will notice what you did that this madeline bemis is not someone we have heard the last of
0: not at all already making plans for italy where the next 24 hour worlds will be held
1: now defending her title
0: yes uh com, which is where you can find the pace line and of course Patrick Brady what is going on there at RKP
2: well uh, in another hour or two I hope uh, I'll be finding out if I actually go get to uh, fly to Europe for my first visit to the European classics uh, in theory uh, I'll be going over for Tour of Flanders and Paris-Roubaix my first time to see them in person
0: okay and how about the uh, reviews any good articles in the works uh yes and of course i'm blanking right now
2: i uh, got a couple of new <laughs> bike reviews uh one on a, a little townie um uh cross bike coming up that i did from bomb track uh which really impressed me um let's see uh getting some great reviews to my review of the velotoes uh booties uh they're like uh, I don't know, condoms for your feet. And uh, they they were pretty successful for me. And uh, apparently, they, they're not widely known yet. And so people have been uh, reacting to that review with a lot of interest.
0: Excellent. Yeah, those those little shoe covers are pretty, a little tough to get on, but boy, do they create a seal. So check those out at uh, redkiteprayer.com. You can find the Pace Line Cycling Podcast on rkp.com, redkiteprayer.com. And of course, uh, it's on Stitcher and iTunes, and I'm waiting on Google to get back to me uh, so we can put it up there as well. Uh, Fatty is usually generous enough, too, to also plug us on, on his website, thefatsightlist.com. Yeah. So find the paceline in those locations. Uh, look for my post as well on redkiteprayer.com. So for Fatty and Patrick Brady, I'm Michael Houghton. We'll talk to you next time on The Pace Line.
3: Without bike, I am not here, for sure. But still, it's important to have fun.